hey guys, it's me. No music because I want to do something different real quick. I just got back from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, I did a comedy club there called The Laugh Shop, which is in the Blackfoot Inn. I'm sorry, Hotel Blackfoot. They have rebranded since last time I was there. And last time I was there, I did not have anyone come to my shows. I had like eight people in the audience, if that, and uh, they were kind of horrendous. This time, lots of people were there. Great attitudes, great shows. I actually uh, put up a special podcast on SoundCloud only. Uh, I recorded myself in my hotel room before the show on Friday night. Uh, and I had a bunch of thoughts about some stuff that was going on. Like a lot of people are talking about rape jokes right now. And I had some unnecessary, unneeded thoughts that I wanted to throw in, but not in print, you know, so I'm, I got that protection. But what happened was I had a heckler in the middle of a show. In the middle of a show, I had a heckler, a show that was actually going really well. That's the weird part is that this guy piped up after I had actually been doing really well for 30 minutes. He kind of out of nowhere threw out some shit. And uh, luckily for you, I have been recording all of my shows. So I have to present to you right now the clip of me handling this heckler. I don't want to give too much going on, but I'll just tell you a little bit. He piped up. I thought it was one of the other comics on the show, uh, a comic named uh, Chris Gordon, who's very funny and very experimental. So I thought maybe he was trying to do a bit with me in the middle of my set. So that's why in the beginning when he's like me, I just go, okay, I thought it was Chris and I was just going to move on. But then I realized it was an audience member that wanted to continue to talk at me. And then I handle him and I try to um, try to uh, uncover the psychology behind why he's talking up in some sort of way. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say that much. I did use a classic line, a uh, classic heckler line at some point, and uh, I think I – I turned it around because actually in the end, I got him on my side. And what I do right here is after I kind of quote unquote decimate him, I won't say I decimated him. I'll just say that I handled him. Um, after that, what I do is I said, you know what? I'm going to pull out a dick joke. He'll like that. So even though I hated this guy, there's still a part of me that's like, I got to get this guy to like me. Right. I am a comedian after all. Roll the clip. <laughs> Who said that? Me. Oh, okay. What? Your routine. Who's <laughs> my routine? Hey. What? Yeah, no, please tell me what funny jokes are because I paid to see you. No, 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 please. Guys, I've been doing this for 11 years. I've been on Comedy Central, I've been in movies, I've been on Conan twice. This guy obviously knows more than I do. Please, continue. Okay. Thank you for the permission. I'm glad that you guys agree. He's like, I don't want to feel uncomfortable in my underwear. Tell something that I like. Look, I'm sorry that you shit your pants. I'm sorry that your parents wanted a girl. I'm sorry that your penis is still a girl's. No, I can continue, guys. Is that funny to you, or? Oh, getting there. Good fucking comeback. He has like a book of like two words, that's all I need to say, and I maintain my manhood. Um, hmm, interesting. Funny jokes. Okay. 
is it awkward for everybody else? You guys are just like, what the fuck went out? You don't yell at a black guy in Canada. We don't know what you're capable of. They might all be outside waiting. Once he ends, he's gonna say revolution, and then they're coming here and get all of our white women pregnant. Um, that's called phase two. We'll talk about that later. Um, Okay, here's something that you're not gonna like. Um, no, 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 because he doesn't like me. And I, it's not really my fault that he doesn't like me. It's just these things happen, you know? We've all been divorced. So, um, 50% of us, at least, statistically. You know, you think you, want, you think you want one thing, and then you're like, what the fuck is this? And sometimes that's a comedian. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I've been around the world and I, I, I've seen a lot of things and uh, there's like so many ways of talking in this world. There's like so many accents and dialects, but there's one way of talking that you hear no matter where you go and that's the way newscasters talk. Like broadcast journalists, they sound the same everywhere. It's the same nasal plaintiveness, you know, just kind of like, later tonight on channel 23 news, we're gonna be like Spanish, Atelemundo 53, we're gonna be like Norwegian, Flurgen Gurgen, Flurgen Gurgen, Flurgen Gurgen, Flurgen Gurgen, Flurgen Gurgen, Channel Gurgen Flurgen. Hey Flurgen, did you Gurgen Flurgen? Oh, Um And I tend to develop crushes on female news anchors because I, uh, I've dated some psychotic women, so now I have a thing for women that state facts. Also, I think it would be great to hang out, like a hook up with a female news anchor, and then her talk dirty to me in that voice, because I would request that. Later tonight, almonds, whipped cream, and ice cream. Find out what happens when your dick becomes my dessert. My breasts, fun and delicious, start at the nipples, work your way around news at five. Later tonight, special report, your penis, my vagina, what you don't know could kill you. Do I got you yet? Yeah. Okay. See? Bridges can be gapped. The Republicans and Democrats in my country can learn a lot from this gentleman and myself. And welcome to Deep Shit. Hey guys, it's me again. This is the official introduction. Uh, bridges can be gapped. I said that in that clip. Uh, I meant to say that gaps can be bridged, but I flipped it in my head. It, it sounded like it was his own joke, and I might use it somewhere else. You know, bridges can be gapped. Sometimes you wanna you wanna go from one place to another place, and you know, connect two people. But I think separation is the way to go. Se separation and segregation. Gap those bridges, guys. Anyway, uh, welcome to another episode. Uh, today's guest is Open Mike Eagle, a rapist. Oh, that sounds like rapist. That's a tribute to a guy named Schaefer the Dark Lord that used to have a song called The Rapist, which is a very funny song if you've never heard Schaefer the Dark Lord. Look him up. He goes by STD. Hey, yo. Uh, but Open Mike Eagle is a rapper who I've had on the show before, and we talked about hip-hop this time. We, he wanted to talk about race, but we spent more time bullshitting than anything else. So I'm calling this episode Race, 
comma BS because we just started talking. He is going to be on WTF on What the Fuck Pod. So look out for that when that comes out. Um, basically, uh, we just kind of go all over the place with what's going on in our lives. And, uh, you know, uh, this was also recorded a while ago. I meant to say that last episode. The Guy Branham episode was recorded probably almost a month, maybe a month and a half before I actually re- released it. So in my introduction, I, I had a lot of stuff that came up in the Guy Branham podcast I had already processed in my life, I feel like, or had a hold on. And my introduction um, was from that place, and this podcast predated that. So there was a little psychological time travel, and that's what's going to happen now. There's some stuff that will come up in this podcast um, that uh, I have processed or I'm dealing with in different ways. And uh, so just just know that going in. I just read this great article, guys. Uh, it's the cover uh, article of the new edition of Time, uh, the Me, Me, Me generation. It's about millennials. And um, I'm not necessarily a millennial, and I'm not necessarily a Gen X. I'm caught in between those two definitive gener- generations. And uh, it makes a lot of sense to me because millennials are very self-centered, very narcissistic. And the article, he starts kind of laying out the argument that everybody makes about millennials. They're going to ruin everything, which is the argument every generation makes about the generation after them. But then he takes the tack of, but maybe actually they're they're good. And maybe they'll actually help. And maybe they'll actually do this. If you get a chance, check out the article. But combining the two different generations, I'm caught in between them because I have the the uh, the constant level of distractedness and fear of missing out and uh, high expectations, which lead to high disappointment of millennials, which feeds my Gen X tendencies of ennui and depression and neuroticism. <laughs> so luckily, I'm really neurotic and I am way too distracted. Boy, I am I am I have uh, cut myself. A road in the grass. I just made up that expression, guys. You can use that from now on. Man, I have cut myself a road in the grass. It just means that you have set out a path that sucks for yourself. Why would you cut a road through the grass? Why don't you just use the road? Why don't you just leave the grass alone? It's grass. It's soft. It's supposed to be there. You don't have to cut it to go somewhere. Go through it. The grass doesn't need you. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, guys, uh, enjoy this conversation. And, um, yeah. Poopin' Farts McGillicuddy. Oh, All Things Comedy Network, guys. All Things Comedy. Check it out. Uh, also, Al Madrigal um, has a new special that came out called uh, Why is the Rabbit Crying? <laughs> I am paraphrasing. I hope it's called that. But Al Madrigal is his name, and Al Madrigaling is his game. So check out his new special. Um, also, I have a half-hour special on Comedy Central June 21st, guys. So I'm, it's the last day. It's me and Sean Patton. We're the last two comedians on the half-hour specials. Sean Patton, uh, who's done my podcast uh, once, I think. We've been meaning to do another one, and I'm going to track him down, and we're going to do that. I don't know if it's once or twice that we did a podcast uh, now. You know better than I do. And uh, thank you for being a friend. Traveled up the road and back. Oh, good God. All right. Here's the podcast. Hello. 
Have you seen that TV show? The Guinness World Book of Records? No, the Guinness Gone Wild or some shit like that. Is it called Guinness Gone Wild? I think it is. Well, I just remember there's always these records that, because there's a lot of shit that people have just not done. Right. So it's like there used to be quantifiable skills. Mm-hmm. You're the fastest person. You're the strongest person. Right. These things mean something. But then people exactly. are like, well, I'm not fast or strong, but I can wear more clown makeup than anyone <laughs> Okay, let me tell you the highlight. While of While balancing on show. a lemon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there was a guy who was attempting to break the world record for how many um, how many clothespins he could put on his face. Ooh, I've seen that. Yeah, and th- the thing was, I mean, he had he had put clothespins on his face to the point where he started uncontrollably drooling. So just through the clothespins, you would just see this long, disgusting line of drool. And I guess like he had put. I think like 80 clothespins on his face. The record, however, was 160. Oh, well. So he didn't even. He's drooling for his craft. For the for, for the television exposure, I suppose. We've been there. <laughs> right. Where for our arts, we feel like we don't have control you know, over exactly. our bodily functions, especially in the mouth area. I should not condescend that at all. You're right. <laughs> I have been there. No, no. I'm condescending. I'm, I'm... <laughs> That that's not like you. You're not a child, and you say to yourself, "One day I'm going to put so many clothespins on my face." I mean, even as a child, I, I never. I guess I never really had that many clothespins around either. We had like a laundry room, so it wasn't like I was just like rolling around in clothespins all the time. Let either. me tell you something that I think that you will think is funny and interesting. All right, and it's something that as a joke I wrote down. I told it to a few people that <laughs> were all white, and they were like, "I don't get it," right? I feel like pranks are a very Caucasian thing. Oh, I agree. I don't know what it is. They love to fuck with each other. They do. And I wrote down this joke idea, which is, I think the majority of laws were made to curb white people pulling pranks on each other. Wow. Like, if you think about it, like, certain laws, we always, we we take them for granted. They're Uh laws. But something happened to get them made. Even... We should make it illegal to kill people. There mm. probably were enough pranks where people <laughs> were dying because of the pranks that people were like, it was a prank, though. And they're like, oh, we got to do something about these pranks. Maybe we should say it's illegal to kill people. What about saying it's illegal to do pranks? People going to do pranks. Yeah. People going to do pranks. Let's just say they can't kill people in the prank. Jesus. Yeah, because I guess if it could almost be a legal defense, like, oh, it's just a mean so they really do have to like make things serious because people would do that if there was if you could get out of things by making them a prank god damn well i'm just thinking about like shows like jackass and oh my god and punked and it's always like people there's i don't know what is so i don't know what is so hilarious about tricking people but you know what okay about I'm not, tricking i'm not, I'm not down fucking, with the pranks it's different though like with someone like andy coffin for which is, oh, that's different. That is different. That's theater. It is. That's performance. Performance art. And people different. came to a show. And, and, he, and he was fucking with people. And he was fucking with people, but they paid to see a show. And he was really good at fucking with people. But he didn't do that on the streets. Right. You know what I mean? He would play his characters in his real life to people that were already part of Andy Kaufman's life. But he wasn't, he wasn't doing it for people who didn't ask for yeah, it in didn't, some sort of way. Yeah, didn't come it's not like, it. oh, we... we you know, we changed, you know, we, that person's going to open their, they're going to touch their door handle. 
we connected it to a car battery, right? <laughs> They're going to have a little bit of a shocking entrance. <laughs> exactly. And there's people touching a door, hand- door handle, getting electrocuted yeah. in a laugh track. Right. Number one hit in America. <laughs> Somebody like shits their pants. Oh, you guys got me. Oh. You shit your pants. You fucking asshole. See, this is the thing, though, right? Cause, yeah. see, so white people prank. And I'm not down with that. Black people prank cousins a lot. Yes, and we I'm do. I'm not necessarily down with that either. Like, to me, that's kind of a similar. Black people tell the, do the dozens, but I feel like half the dozens, that was my other part, is that white people like to prank. Black people love to tell other people, to tell people they look like other people. <laughs> That's our biggest thing. It's like, no, you look like, you look like, like we do that. If we weren't so busy doing that, we might do more pranks. But it's a similar thing. I just want to fuck with people. And it looks like there's just a different mode of it. But I just don't like people fucking with people in general. So I'm uncomfortable in both of those situations. But I guess pranks way more. I'm way more uncomfortable with pranks. I, I uh, Yeah. There's certain people that are just pranky. Yeah. They just love that. They love that shit. They think it's hilarious. And um, I can, I get why people think mm-hmm. it's funny. I don't like it. Did you hear about that um, lady in Australia? I Uh-oh. Think? Um, I'm already scared of where this story's oh my going. God. Like, they prank he, there's all these ladies her? in Australia. What? I think they prank phone called her about, like, they were trying to get the queen's fucking medical record or some weird <gasps> shit did you hear about that yes 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 yeah. australian djs oh so okay they made the phone call so i guess it's a they British called england okay and they called the hospital where something was happening with the royal family i can't remember exactly what it was but they were in a hospital yeah and they called posing as the queen i think the woman or, proposed or as the queen. The queen or so, or yeah, they, or, or, I think or, she proposed as the queen oh, or something. Shit. Okay. They they this so they called and this nurse answered at the right. hospital. Right. They posed as royals somehow, tricked her into revealing certain information. Right. That she shouldn't have revealed to anybody but the royals. Right. And then she killed herself. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's the pranky world we live in. Yeah. Exactly. She felt so shamed right. and embarrassed. And she killed herself. Morning DJs. Taking lives out there. Taking taking lives. Cold-blooded guys. Killing people. Definitely. Just for your drive time entertainment. <laughs> exactly. Please, make a donation today. I hope they won the ratings that week. I really do. <laughs> I hope that woman's life was worth something to them. Ugh. I don't know if they have the same... I don't think they have the same system that we do. In terms of like... Because ratings are important in America because we have... We have advertisements. To, we, have, we have ads. I, I think Australia is, is similar... England is not. What? How's that? How's this stuff work? Well, I mean, I think that. Well, I know England. Pretty much every other country but us has the television industry is subsidized by the government. Okay. You know what I mean? We're we're purely capitalist. We have PBS. That's that's a that's a viewers like you. Right. Right. But in England, the BBC, they take a they they BBC basically HBO and Showtime have aped that. You have to pay oh. a licensing fee to own a te- TV tax. And that becomes the BBC's budget. So they don't have to show ads. Although there are other channels that they do make their revenue from ads. The BBC does not. So but Australia. The, the main one, I guess. Right? Yeah. The, they're the Hollywood of, of England. Because even Canada. Canada has CTV and, and CBC. CBC. Yeah. And then uh, I think that. No, CBC is the only. I think CTV is just another channel. But CBC is like the official government channel. Australia probably has. Same thing. They probably have a government channel or government, some big 
government hand in that because they the BBC I know that the the British saw that t- television was this giant educational informational tool right, right. that can unify and divide people and they said why don't we use it to unify the country How about it so they had like we have one news broadcast that everyone will hear then that's so great there's different regions in the country so they all have their own local that was how, how the many BBC started people are in England do you know uh, well, it's easy to find out. All right. See, I always compare American shit to British shit in terms of our entertainment, uh-huh. but it doesn't make any sense to do such a thing, mainly because England is the size of California. Right. It's Somebody. smaller than California, Right. and the population of England, I think, is smaller than the population of California. I'd believe it. The entire country of England. Let me find out right now. England. Because when I think about, like, what are our priorities in terms of like you know like what we need for ratings and stuff like that mm-hmm. like the british can take bigger risks with their programming because there's less people to please that's true they can have a niche audience and that shows a hit comparatively you do that same show here it'll have the exact same people except there's 50 times as many of us as there are british people well then you figure it would be easier to do something niche here because they're, they're, the niches are bigger. Well, right? with cable, with cable, it's becoming a, a more viable option to do something that's interesting. Okay, let's see here. I'm trying to find the capital, London. All right, here is the 2011 census population. Uh, 53 million, 12,456. That's the entire country of England. Oh, well, let's find out right now. Oh, you got it. 53 million. I'm going to go less. You think so? I'm going to go less for California. Because, yeah, because L.A. is the biggest. But what's L.A. like? It can't be more than like 8 or 10, right? If even that much. But then we got we got SF. You got San Diego. Um, Sacramento. Sacramento. I mean, San Diego, Sa- San Francisco, and Los Angeles are the biggest cities. Yeah. I don't think we're topping 50. Maybe you're right. Let's find out. Right. What do I win? What do I win? Right? Nothing. <laughs> ain't, ain't. You ain't winning nothing. Oh, here you go. Population. Most populated, most populous state in the country, of course. Mm-hmm. 38 million. That's right. 41,000. I guess real good. I guess real well. 430. Uh, that's a 2012 estimate, but we're... It's still 20 million people. Yeah. And we're still bigger. <laughs> Geographically. Oh, of course. But point is, England's a country, and this state is almost as big as that entire country. Yeah. And then we got 49 more of these motherfuckers. <laughs> Only around. like eight more that really matter, though. Like, Okay, calm yeah. down, liberal. <laughs> First, I know you're going to count Illinois, right? Yeah, and then um, Texas. Is huge. I'm gonna count Texas. Oh, okay. You mean in terms of population? I mean in terms of population. Okay, right. right. Yeah, New York State, Texas, yeah, um, uh, Illinois. Guess Chicago's there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think. I think Virginia. Well, because of DC and everything. DC and specific. Yeah, DC and specific. Maryland, Maryland, Virginia, mm-hmm. with Baltimore and DC, and then uh, Florida. Florida, gotta go. Miami, Florida. Orlando. Mm-hmm. Those are very big, big cities. Yeah, Texas has got three gigantic cities. Dallas, Houston. Dallas, Houston, and uh, what's that other one? San Antonio is pretty big. San Antonio and Austin. Austin's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
That's just packing it in. Man. We cracked the code. Yeah. We cracked it. <laughs> the more you know. But speaking of which, we kind of naturally kind of started to move towards our subject a little bit because I brought up because I brought up the uh, white people, quote unquote white people. White which, people. by the way, I got to admit, I am saying the phrase "white people" at the beginning of sentences more <laughs> than than I have in a really long time. Well, well, what do you? Why do you think that is? Well, because I'm 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 around them a lot. Okay, I'm starting to. I mean, I've always been interested in. Especially as a black man who doesn't fit into the paradigm of mm-hmm. black man, yes, that I'm always observing and looking at what I believe to be the trends in this country in terms of creation, of creativity, art, entertainment, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so I feel like movies and TV, it's, it's a person, when you know a married couple, Right. Or uh, or some couple that's been together. You're going to learn more about their relationship just by observing them talking about nothing than you will if they're specifically talking about their relationship. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean? I can dig that. If they're talking about their relationship, there's all sorts of things going on. But when they're just being themselves, they're talking about a dog, you know, or they're talking about a restaurant they went to or a vacation. And you can see how that you see how they communicate. It's like, oh, wow, they keep disagreeing on shit that doesn't even matter, supposedly. Just like, oh, you know, we stayed at this hotel. It was kind of it was kind of nice. It wasn't really that nice. <laughs> right. Okay, it was nice to me. I don't stay in hotels as much as you do. You get to see no, those. you don't, because I'm making money to bring back home so you can not stay at hotels. You're lucky. You're the one who's lucky. Get- I'm the one who's lucky. I'm sitting here alone all the damn time. <laughs> right. You like- get to see those intense moments of resentment. Exactly. They out, they that stuff, that DNA yeah. is always there. The melody is under the rhythm. That's right. <laughs> it's always there, right? Yep. This jazz dysfunction in the relationship. Wow. I think movies and television. I think you ought to be a relationship therapist and slash music therapist at the same time. <laughs> You're going to have them all beatbox the troubles out at the end. <laughs> try to match the two. <laughs> exactly. Um, Oh, okay. I have a lot of controversial ideas about relationships that most people want to want to agree with. Well, well, they're threatened by. Do any of them involve animals? No. Then you're fine. <laughs> man is an animal. That's why uh, I call oh. him manimal. Oh, not really. Not really. Uh, wasn't that a thing, manimal? There's a there's a guy in the NBA. That's his nickname right now. Oh, animal. Jesus Christ. Well, my point <laughs> is though that television and movies are this country. Talking about our relationship with each other okay. without knowing that we're doing that. Interesting. So it teaches us about ourselves because we're not thinking about ourselves really, but it reflects all these ideas in social mores. Mores. What, what is that word? It's mores. I have no idea what that Or mores. Some people say mores. Some people say mores. I don't know what the fuck that means at all. You're laying down now. I am. I shouldn't have given you. This hasn't happened to me since I had Eric Andre on the podcast. Oh, I was with I was at his place last night, man. At Eric's place? Yeah, yeah. And it was Antoine's birthday party. Oh, that's right. I wasn't invited. You weren't? Mm-mm. I'm sorry. I don't know if we're friends anymore. That's beside Damn the point. Damn it! That's beside the point. Jesus Christ. I'm not <laughs> going to bring up anybody else ever. No, it's fine. I don't know if it's fine. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like all three of us should be on the same side of something. People grow apart. I hear you. But you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not sweating it. Um, or I was sweating it. I, I have to admit. I, I I think I was like, I think that he's not talking to me anymore. That's fucked up. So I'm just like, I'm just gonna leave it alone. 
I get the clue. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But if he, who knows? I don't know what he's going on in his life. That's the whole point. I don't know what's going on in his life. Well, I used to. Yeah, and that's kind of whack, right? Don't worry about it. This is going to. I mean, I, and I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I cut all this care. out. I don't want to <laughs> get it all specific and shit either. I just, I don't know. I, I was telling somebody that yesterday, um, or even day before. I was saying I had asked a friend about another friend, somebody that we all used to know. We used to be in these like political knew how to do was go to meetings and shit. <laughs> and uh so that's how I met people. And um I was asking about like one of the old homegirls who we used to like kick like all of us used to kick. We used to always get up and have social parties and and really know what was going on with each other. And I said, Oh, have you talked to such and such? And and they were like, No. And I'm like, Oh. And then they were like, Have you? And I was like, No. And they were like, Do you want to? I'm like, Nah, it just trips me out how in LA like you're friends with people and then you're not. Like I don't I don't really understand how that works. Like I just that's that's just so surprising to me. I've been out here like nine years now and it's just like people just come in and out of things and and really are able to live like like you have a together life for a while and then, then people go separate and they're still there, but then there's just no communication anymore. It kinda weirds me out. Well, I just think that like something happens towards the end of your 20s where you stop making friends and start just losing them. Oh, I hear that. It's all that happens. Is like, I mean, we're, you know, you're in your 30s, right? Yeah. As, as am I. And then that's, that's kind of it. It's kind of flips. You don't, you don't get to know people much anymore. That's true. As much as, but I, I, I'm saying that, thinking that I have been me- making new friends. Like really deep new friends, like I, I like think you're so. getting close to people yeah. that are new. I think so. Man, I don't. Dude. And I and I because I specifically because I have a lot of female friends. Okay. So I have specifically set on set myself on a course to make male friendships. I'm, okay, why? Because I don't have enough male friends. Well, what's the difference if you got friends? Well, the thing is that like a lot of female friends, there's always going to be, and I'm trying. I've written a. Bit, bit about this, so excuse me that I'm going to go into this right now. Material. There's always, when you have a female friend, a straight female friend. There's the tension? There's always, at the beginning, there's tension. Okay. There's always that kind of like, dick though? <laughs> <laughs> how about, would you, but what about, how about some dick? <laughs> and then it takes a while of understanding and therapy to be like, you know what? You're right. No dick. I'm right. just going to put that over here on the shelf and not think about <laughs> detachable that. Detachable penis. Detachable penis. Yeah. I wish we had detachable penis. I don't know. But that's why I have a lot of lesbian friends. Because then it's just never... It's, it's never, never a deal. It's never I, it can just go straight to instant comfort. There you go. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm comfortable with you because I know there's no point that you're ever going to be interested in my dick. And I don't have to think about it. <laughs> you know, there's something... I almost feel like with, with gay women, it's easier for me to project some sort of sibling ah, like relationship. Probably, I mean, that's the most easily understood, uh, you know, cross gender relationship with a sibling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. terms of non sexual, that seems like the fastest place to go. Exactly. Like sibling, cousin kind of thing. Exactly. So that. it's like I can get, I feel a little bit more like I can approach more of a family, uh, a family, more of a family kind of sort of relationship, family style. Kind of relationship with a gay woman, right? You know, and I might be completely incorrect because not all because some gay women are attractive. Well, of course, and you're and i and some of them are like you're really attractive. You know, I know that you're not interested in me, so I just you know even though I can recognize, oh, she's really cute, 
I just know it's never gonna happen. One of those things were still in the back of your head, and you're like, mm, Dick, maybe. maybe no, dick. no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Dick. Dick, but but what about Dick? <laughs> so, when you're a straight woman, everyone's trying to serve your Dick, of course. As we as we've heard from stand up. So to be a straight woman is to basically be in a batting cage with 40 different machines shooting balls at you. Mm-hmm. Every dick is a ball flying out of a vagina bat. <laughs> and this woman is, and every woman is doing their damnedest to bat them all away. And they're not going to be successful. Sure. They're going to end up with some bruises. <laughs> but point is that I don't, I don't want to think about all that. So I guess with the male friend, because also there's, I was raised by two women, so I don't have enough, I guess, masculinity in my life, in a sort of, except for me. So I don't know. There's something about a guy friend that it's a specific thing. Do you feel like you're still like learning? Um, I guess like, are you, you know, when you want to be around guys, is it just like a thing where you like, you guys are socializing each other too and like how to be guys in the world or, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. Because I, because I, having, having not, not had a father mm-hmm. and I think that I, uh, I felt like we talked about this on the, on the podcast before, perhaps Zach Sherwin, because he also grew up without a dad. So we have these weird hyper masculine ideas of what it means to be a man. And all we can do is fall short of it. Right. But it's a fake idea. So it's like, for me, it's like the more I know more men, the less I'll let, the more I'll let go of this idea that I'm not enough of a man. Hmm. Oh, because then you get more of a well-rounded image of what it means to exactly. be a guy. Exactly. That. And because I've written off guys. I've, because I've had so many female friends bitch about guys mm-hmm. that I'm just like, shit, that's what guys are like? Let me ask you this, though. Are are your new friends, are they uh, in or around the business that you're in? You could, do a lot of them come from that? Yeah, yeah. So Creative guys. And that's the other thing is that, like, we're not, we, we tend to be less alpha male less stereotypical. Or what? Uh, well, you know, and I guess this is a difference in, in my um, genre of entertainment, too. But What's that, rap music? <laughs> exactly. Wait a minute. Are you trying to say, are you trying to throw <laughs> out the idea that black Somehow. men that rap have warped ideas of masculinity. I mean, and not even masculinity. And I'm not even going that far yet. I mean, to 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 make it very specific to that alpha male kind of thing that you brought up, like the rapper is the most. I mean, that this as a, as a personality type is horrible, horrible person, horrible person. Like yeah, yeah. And um, that's how I feel about actors. And and I and stand ups are probably a little similar too, just in terms of you well, know, look. I mean, I got the same thing with actors and comedians. Yeah. There's certain stereotypes that fit each that right. I try to avoid. When I find someone that's too actory right. or too stand up y, yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, okay, I can't fucking be around you. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt your No, point. that's all good. Um, oh, but yeah, but I'm saying part of the reason that I don't really make any new friends is because literally everybody I meet in and around the music business is fucked up. And, and I'm fucked up too. And it's just like, it's not fertile ground for any type of fucking healthy relationship ever. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people who I do meet that are cool are just like, you know, people that I meet some other random way, which is just becoming infrequent more and more. Like, mm. More and more of the only interactions I have shows and exactly and shit like that and just meet people in the worst way. And you're married. Yeah. So you have a go-to partner. I'm good. 
That's and that's that's why I get that's addictive. Yeah. It's just kind of like you know what I got a person. I don't need any of you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you know what? You know, it's easy we, to escape. Me, I mean, I don't think it's cor- it, though, I don't think too. it's correct. I'm just saying it's easy to fall back on that. Me and her discuss it too, and we both. I mean, she's got friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like she works in education, so people are a little bit more regular. You know, mm. a little bit like. Um, and so she's got, she tends to have people she can hang out with and it's just, you know, it's cool. And they, they, you know, they do friend shit, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of my friends are like family. All of my friends are family. Everything comes back to that. And I just, and it's this weird, always underlying weird competition. Like it's just me, us too much. And you know, that's it's just balance. Issue. It's balanced though. Is it? See, that's the thing is that you got too many people in the same industry yeah. in your life. So it's like, yeah, I got the same thing. Like I, Obviously, as an actor, writer, and comedian, gravitate mm-hmm. towards actors, writers, and comedians. Of course. Uh, uh, gravitate towards creative people. Mm-hmm. But it is refreshing every now and then to find a friend that has nothing to do with yep. any of that shit. A real fucking person. Yeah. <laughs> a real human being. And usually, and it's hard in Los Angeles to find people like this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I... I, I in touch with a couple of people I went to high school with, that's that's, that's and college cool with, and that have nothing to do with the industry. You know, that are just kind of like they're just kind of good people that I can hang out with and not think about fucking Hollywood shit. Yeah, I need to take advantage of that. There's a few people out here that I went to college with. Oh, I need to take advantage of that. I need to like get on that. So how do you find the time? It's all scheduling. Yes, yeah, true. That's true. That's true too. I mean, typically, any free time I have, I'm trying. I mean, I have to make shit. You know what I mean? I have to make shit for a living. I don't have, you know, I don't have anybody telling me I need to be somewhere typically. So I have to fucking be making shit all the time. I feel like I'm kind of productive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, typically, between making shit and having a family, yeah, there's not much time. But there is some, and it would be good to be able to go fucking have a drink with a normal person. Yeah, you know what I did last night? I went to a fucking party. Yeah. And uh, I was asked to go like maybe three days ago. Okay. And this is a friend, and she is a gay woman, <laughs> but and she's in the industry, but she's not. She's like on the producer development side, right? So even though she is creative, she tends to foster creative people. I see. But we hit it off as human beings, and we're like we should hang out and like not do shit that's Hollywood. So she asked me to go to this party. Now, it was an agent's party. Mm-hmm. But, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was a birthday party for an agent. Oh, fuck. But it was fine. I didn't. I mean, I, I met him. He was fine. I didn't. You know, I didn't. There was no. Everybody else was there was kind of agenty. Yeah. It but, seemed like, you know, you get a lot of fucking agents in those ratio uh, parties. But not, you know what I mean? But not in the, you know, like not, of course, not in the physical way. I mean, like, you know, like. Just like everyone's going to suck each other's dicks. Everybody. Yeah. Metaphorically. You know, exactly. Well, I, that didn't happened okay well that's great i ended up talking to these two dudes that i'd never met for most of the night mostly about travel and shit because one was from australia and the other one's been to australia lived there for a while and then we're just talking about travel and stuff it was like i was having a conversation with nothing about nothing two guys i don't know and it was fine i was Mm. like fine being in that corner talking to those dudes holding my own in a conversation which generally that's the that's the image that I have in my brain that stops me from going to parties. Like, mm. I'm going to talk to strangers. What the fuck am I going to say? Yeah. I don't know them. I have, a, I have a tough time with that, too. 
I really do. But it was fine. I, that's why I said I would go to this party because I knew she was the only person I would know. I was like, I'm going to put myself in that situation and, and I'll be okay. You're a brave soul. And I left and early. Like I left before midnight. Rewarded. Yeah. That's good. I left like, like 1130. I was like, I'm getting this one night. I'm doing one night too. It happens to me when I get high at a party. I try to leave early. <laughs> every time. I <laughs> am only very recently getting into smoking the smoke and smoking the smoke. See, that's how... That's how new I am. I have no language. You're you're making it up as you all go the along. fucking okay. poetry to describe <laughs> no, weed, no, marijuana. No, no, but I think you just and described in very particular how it is to you. It's smoking the smoke. Smoking that. the smoke. Um, <laughs> exactly. I have no language for it. But I I keep I have all these stereotypical experiences because it's like I think everyone is fucking fascinating. I think I'm the funniest person in the world when you're high. When I'm high, that's good. So it's like I can have conversations with strangers, and everything, everything, everyone says sounds like poetry to me. See, I you know I get caught up in that though, and I and I want to like stop people and say, you know how fucking beautiful of a genius that is. I, I do. That I do. That's what I keep yeah. doing. I was talk. I was at a show the other night, and Brent Weinbach. I don't know if you know Brent I Weinbach. Fucking love Brent Weinbach. We were talking about something, and it's nice to know that when I get a little drunk or a little high, that I'm really positive that that's what's underneath all my negative cynical bullshit. <laughs> right. That's so you get, like, you get to peel back all the I know, the shit I peel that back. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm actually a good person. <laughs> Thank God. I actually do feel good deep inside. That's so it's just great. when I'm sober and I, I bury myself in my fucking neuroses that I feel like shit. But really, underneath it, I like people. That's, That's what's going on. Hey. But I don't know. We were talking about something. And, <sighs> oh, you know what we were talking about, me and Brent Weinbach? We were talking about, it was a, it was a show. It was called Pizza Party. And so backstage, there was a pizza from some place called Tomato Pie, okay. which is like good pizzas, kind of like its own place. And then in the audience, there were there's Little Caesars. What? Pizza, right? Now, I had both. There's something specifically about junk pizza that is appealing, right? And this is what I was talking to Brent Weinbach about, about, I know this isn't good pizza. That's why I want it. Because mm. it's junk. It's like, I'm going to go see Transformers. Mm. In a theater, in 3D. It's junk. That's what I want right now. Wow. I want to see shit blowing up <laughs> in a way that I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. And then I'm going to leave happy, right? And that's what the argument I was trying to make to him is that. And did, I was talking he, about he like. agree with that? Well, that was the thing where it was just kind of like McDonald's. I was trying to liken it to like McDonald's is perfectly unperfect. Mm-hmm. As a friend of mine once said. It's like, it doesn't taste like a burger. It's not a burger. <laughs> it's McDonald's. But that's why you want it sometimes, because it's McDonald's. And, it's, and that's what he was seeing. He's like, oh, I, don't, I disagree with that because of the fact that that stuff is disgusting and it makes me feel horrible. I'm like, yeah, that's what I mean. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I want to feel gross right now. It's some, there's something about the abuse of it. You know what? I, and I, I don't, it's I've, emotional cutting. I've never fucking... I can't. I, I guess I can't say ever because when I was a kid, I was all about. Oh yeah, I fucking, fucking loved McDonald's as a kid too. Give me a McDonald's IV. I would have bathed in chicken nuggets. It just would have been all fucking good. But like, I just can't. I can't. I don't even think about eating that shit now. I just like it never enters my mind to eat that. But um, I don't know. I guess I mean, there's a lot of there's so many people that still do, and there's so many people who go watch the Transformers movie. Like, cause I mean, and I guess. It's just a sensation that you describe that I just don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, not that I don't get it, like I don't understand it, but I don't get the same sensation. I don't get the same satisfaction. Well, that's I what I, and that's what Brent was saying. Mm-hmm. 
And I was trying to great, so I'm like Brent. No, no, no. <laughs> no I was I'm just, just trying just to say. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just fucking. I was just trying to say that sometimes the experience it's a familial experience. It's like an ex girlfriend or. You know, uh, some Jim Gaffigan used to have a joke about that. He yeah, said his he McDonald's could, bit. Yeah. He can't do it on the road because right. no one's everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just ate there. But he's just like, yeah, sometimes it's like, I can't believe he's like, it's an next lover. It's like, I can't believe I used to eat there. Mm-hmm. Then it's four o'clock in the morning. You're like, well, it's late. <laughs> you up? No one. Will, no one will see. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of the experience. I'm like, oh, my God, junk pizza. There's something gloriously dis- decadent about it. And Brent told me his counter argument. OK. And. Because we were on we were on the same page, and then he explained to me what it was that he was seeing. I was like, "Okay, I understand what you're saying," but because I was high, I was like, "Not only do I understand what you're saying, Brent, but you've laid out a beautiful argument." <laughs> yes. yes. What happened here is you spoke, and I understood it. Yes. And isn't that the point of it all? <laughs> that's what I. That's what. That's what. Fucking marijuana. That's man. what I said to him, and he was. I was, he was, I think he knew I was high or something because he kept looking at me and smiling <laughs> and laughing in ways that I've never seen him do. We kept having this weird back and forth. I was, a, I was a silly bitch that night. That's good, man. Fucking weed is great, but it makes me go home early. But because I'll get so wrapped up in my own shit and, and, um, makes me turn inward fiercely. Mm, mm. And especially if I'm around strangers, I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm going to be too high by myself. I think that's the preferred uh, sensation I'm looking for at the moment. Well, I don't, you know what? It's like, that's why I, I've only ever done one set high. Okay. And it was fucking incredible. Oh. But luckily I recorded it. Because I, you, I know, like, it's like, okay, I'm high. The moment I think everything felt, I say is great. So how did it sound? Fucking incredible. Like, oh, shit. Later okay. I listened to him, like, that's one of the best sets I've ever had. And also, there's something, it loosens me up. Yeah. That's why I think it's a good workshop. Okay. Uh, thing that's why all these comedians that i fucking love like shove hell for instance yeah. they'll get high and then that's how they kind of Generate unpack their thing. brain yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's like i can record that and be like oh there's something about it the looseness of it where i'm fucking laying shit out in a way that i've never said it right that totally perfectly succinctly says exactly what i've been wanting to say so it slows down the processing bit. basically so you don't skip any steps and it's like you see a b c I do, I do. I slow, I slow it down. I stop skipping, and I right. kind of get into the the meat. Uh-huh. And I and I've written notes when I was high. There's something I get creative. I start thinking all these ideas. I was writing shit in my phone. And you just never, you never smoked before. You never really. What? what I never you, did it. Ne- just never even tried it earlier in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friends that were all, that were doing I'm sure. it. Sure. From fucking fifth fifth I'm grade, sure, yeah, I was around weed. I just. I just wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I got it. I got that people liked it. Yeah. I didn't. I was like, uh, I'll pass. Right. Yeah. Then, you know, you get into high school and then kids who are high, like potheads in high school. It's like, I didn't want to be them. Yeah. No. I'm like, is that the only thing you can be? Is this kind yeah, of fucking stoned out, stoned just, out yeah. piece of shit? Yeah. But that's the thing is that. And someone made a great case to me and another comedian, an adult who told me he didn't start smoking weed until he was an adult. Because he knows who he is right. without it. Right. He's like, these people, he's like, that smoked it from fucking 11 on. Mm-hmm. They never developed a personality I'll tell you this that much. wasn't filtered through marijuana. I, I first smoked for the first time when I was in seventh grade. Um, I smoked occasionally in high school. The first time I ever really, really, really got high was in college. But, like, even throughout all of that, I was never super heavy into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now I like it. 
And it's, it's kind of the same thing where like now, like I, I'm at a place in my personality journey where like, because you know what fucked me up in college? One day I got super high, like super duper high. And I could not let go of this thought. And the thought was like, what does it even mean to be high? And I, I'm so like, that shit fucked with me for Which years. Which is a high thought. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I'm like, what, it, what process is this? What, why, why is my processing different? What does this even mean? Like, and that shit, like, it got to the point where every time I was high after that, that question would arrest me. And, and I struggled with that for like years. Like, it wasn't even fun anymore. I was immediately going to this place like, reality changed but you know and it, and it would make it way worse than it even was mm-hmm. and it's like only now in the past couple of years i'm like able to just kind of handle it and, and enjoy it well you know it's interesting because again it's it's only recently that i've i've like it's been far far and few in between when i experience it mm-hmm. but it's only recently that it's like like i've probably been high like four times in the last two weeks okay which is the, the 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 most frequent I've ever done it. Yeah. But then, the next day, I still kind of feel it, mm-hmm. and I still feel kind of lucid. Sure. And then there's a point where it totally disappears, and I start to feel the anxiety kind of come back. Mm. I start to feel the overthinkingness come back, which I know a lot of people smoke it for anti-anxiety yeah. reasons. So it's just like, oh, I'm actually experiencing the thing that people come to this for. So I'm always kind of sitting in this place of anxiety. Then I smoke it and I feel like fine. And then I start to feel it creep back in slowly and slowly. I'll tell you the deal with me, though, and this is what fucks me up about that part is that uh, when I get high, one of the things that I feel most intensely is how much anxiety that I'm always walking around with usually. And, and That's but what I mean. It's still, still present. But I'm saying it's still present with me. Like I, I'm like, I'm high and I'm noticing like, damn, I'm so... You know, even at this moment, mm. I'm so wound up still. Like, mm. God, like, it just, I just, I, I guess I'm so anxious, typically, that I don't even think about it. Mm. When I'm high, I have to, like, run it. Like, Jesus Christ, what is this? I, I do a lot of stretching when I'm high. Mm. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I'll be in a party, like, rolling my neck and doing weird shit, you know, but it's, it's that. It it's tunes like, you in, though. Yeah, exactly. exactly. See, and I had the, I've only had, I've had the experience in July-ish. When I was in Texas, of getting too high, mm-hmm. that was the first time that's happened, because I don't have enough experience with it so to what, know how to stay even. What was too high like? For you? It was not. It was a bad high. Yeah. I felt incredibly anxious, mm-hmm. incredibly paranoid. I, I felt like all the all the soreness in my body. I could feel it turn on. Mm. Like Jeez. it was like I felt like. My neck hurt, and my feet hurt, and my legs hurt, and my hands hurt. And then my friend gave me a ride home, and I was in the car. I was in the car, um, convincing myself of shit that I don't think. Wow! Like just, just like I'm the, I just like the the pomposity hmm. of just like everyone is so awful. <laughs> I'm the only nice person. <laughs> shit like that, right? And then I kept saying things every now and then to my friend that was giving me a ride home. Who he was mildly high, and yeah, it was. I was having all these thoughts, and then every now and then I would just say one thing, thinking I would been th- talking the entire time. Oh my god! <laughs> and so he told me the next day I was how much I was freaking him out because I would just he, we're in the car, it's totally silent, and then I go, I think this is it. Oh shit! And he's like, huh? What are you talking about? And then out of nowhere I go like, goodbye, Chris. Damn. Goodbye. <laughs> like I'm gone. I've lost it. That's what I was. So he was like, "Huh? 
What's going on? I had to take to the hospital. There wasn't any white fairy dust on that weed. Was it? I, I don't mean, know. That sounds a little extreme. It was, but but the thing is, see, and that's the other thing. When I think when I think through it, it was with a group of people and they were passing it around. Mm-hmm. Every time it came to me, I took a gigantic hit. Okay, right? <laughs> because also I'm new to taking hits, so it's like I still don't know how much is enough. But no one, no one in that circle took a puff every single time it came by. I was the only one. So they were pacing themselves. They had more experience than me. I see. And I was just like, oh, it's here again? So it was I guess quantity. It was literally quantity. I smoked too much. Okay. I was too high. And then it kind of hit me to that place. I'm like, oh, this is the, this is the too far place. Now I know. Now it's half the battle. I like getting too high sometimes. <laughs> I do. Because I like, I like just sitting there being stuck sometimes at my house, though. Only in my house. Only time I like doing it. Really? When you're by yourself? Yes. Mm. And I can really just... Explore all of these different trains of thoughts or whatever the fuck they lead. You well, know? see, that's the other thing is that I've, I've never done it alone. Okay. That's it's like, it's like my drinking. preferred method. Same, same with drinking. I don't social? drink by myself. I'm a social drinker. Yeah. I do it all by myself. Okay. Smoke by myself, drink by myself. Yeah. That's actually that's a, a new. That's no, the no, new, it's not me. That's it's the next not, song. No, it's an old song. That song's older than my whole rap career. I'm saying you sample that bitch. Oh, you're right. And but that was a hook already. That was already a hook. You can't make Who it. made that as a hook? Oh God, I can't. Like one of those, like Project Pat kind of dudes, like way back in the day. All right, fine. Somebody who had a championship belt, I think. Like one of them kind of dudes from Memphis or something. Whatever. Yeah. Do it again. Fucking. By my goddamn self. What was it? What was it? Uh, The message has been sampled in like eighteen different songs. This is true. Because I heard it the other day, and I thought, oh, I thought this was going to be the message, but it was actually uh, check yourself. Which I hadn't heard. Ice cubes? And, yeah. Word. Which I hadn't heard in forever. Check, you're going to check yourself before, before you're ready to wreck yourself. Shotgun bullets. And I was like, I thought it was going to be uh, like Mace, right? Wasn't that, no. wasn't that that other one? Yeah, yeah. That was Diddy and Mace's one. Was, yeah. Uh, Can't nobody hold me down. Oh, no. Yeah. I know he, he he needs to get control of his mouth. No, he no, it was on purpose. That was all on purpose. It's like, he's um, my lips are loose. Oh, my God, God. <laughs> Mix so loose with you know, Mace was actually he wasn't that bad of a rapper. That's no, the, that's the irony about him. Good, I hated him, but he's good. You know, no, he could flow, but I just didn't like his style. Exactly, me neither. Uh, we have talked nothing on subject. That's all right. We talked about weed. We, we talked, talked about, about friendships. Weed uh, and friendships. Yeah, that's and what we should we call this one. Let's call it weed friendships. Talking about <laughs> weed, weed and friendships. That's and the that's hook. what we're talking enough. We're talking about me and we and friendship. And what we gonna do? Talking about we and friendship. And that's what we did to you. Loop it up, y'all. Loop it hey. up. That is free hooks. Free hooks. That's the other name of this this uh, this episode. Is free hooks. World champion beatboxer Baron Vaughn. I'm not even really here. He's just beatboxing both of our voices. Beatboxing and conversation. Um, I think that that was that was something that was kind of like I want my MTV. Oh yeah, kind of snuck in there. Oh, <laughs> I want my MTV. I want my. You know who wrote that melody? I want my MTV. Dire Straits. No, nah, but Sting actually. You know he sings on that song. That's right. Yeah. Blue, blue, blue. And then it was it, he actually took his "Don't Stand So Close to Me" and made it. I want my MTV. Don't stand, don't stand, don't stand so 
And I'm doing that sting, doing a Jamaican, trying to do a Jamaican accent. All of their songs were reggae, man. Well, it was like that era. I mean, like the police came up. What? Because there was so much. There was that second wave of ska going on uh, in England. You know, okay, the specials, madness. See, I don't. I don't even know about. It. I gotta get hip. I gotta get hip. I don't even know about. I mean, there's the first wave of ska, which is Jamaican ska. Okay. You know, we're talking like Desmond Decker and the Israelites, shit I, like that. Ska technically predates. Reggae. Wow, I had no idea. Because reggae was just, it's like, let's not have horns. <laughs> let's do all of that except the horns. Yeah, exactly. That's and then the se- and then all that music got to England because of Jamaicans. They moved to England. And then, uh, then there was that second wave of ska in the 80s of, like, all these British bands. Like I said, the specials, Madness. The police definitely were doing, there's so much reggae in their music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of it. But they also didn't specifically only do that. No, yeah, they did a lot of shit. I mean, their songs are brilliant, dude. Like, you get a, you can get a, a, a Police Greatest Hits album, and every song on it is, like, awesome. It's a different style. You know, like, yeah. And, yeah. and they're all really brilliant songs. So. And then the third wave of ska was Orange County in the 90s. Real Big Fish. Real Big Fish. Yeah. You know, stuff like Bucko Nine, Save Ferris. Shit like that. Yeah, that shit yeah. weirded me out. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I was uh, I was, I was really late, heavily, but I liked it. I was really heavily into like alternative music in the '90s, and it was like right when that happened. It was like right when like Creed came in on one side, and then the Sky came in on the other side. I was like, "Fuck, I can't." Did Creed start that, that early? Yeah, Creed was like I remember early Creed songs coming right after like Stone Temple Pilot songs mm. and radio rotation. And being like, they were trying to usher that to be the like, no, no, I don't want that. Oh yeah, yeah, because I remember it was like. There was punk, and then the then the the reggae started finding its way into punk music, hmm. and that's kind of how the third wave of scar 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 started because there was like I'm trying to think of like less than Jake they were more punky, mm-hmm. and then like MXPX MXPX, wow. and then there then the suddenly like people like Real Big Fish and those guys started to pop up, and actually early No Doubt, right. super super Even early like when Rance, Eric Rance Stefani yeah Gwen Stefani's brother started the band. And he was writing all the music, and they were super fucking sky. Yeah. Then he left the band. The original lead singer, who was a black dude, died in like a crazy car crash. And then Gwen Stefani became the lead singer. Then Eric Stefani left the band. The power of white women. Womp, 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 womp. But then, uh, yeah, okay, I remember that because I feel like it was like the antidote or the opposite of like all that ulti, like that post grunge. Yeah. Because yeah. Kurt Cobain died, mm-hmm. and then there was still Pearl Jam, and there was and still, still, still STP and Soundgarden. Alice in Chains a little Alice bit. Alice in Chains, yeah. yeah. And I was heavy in all of that shit. And then, yeah, then, then Creed came and fucked it up for everybody. Arms wide open. <laughs> exactly. That song used to just, oh, it's like the soundtrack of my nightmares, man. I fucking hated him. David Cross and used then, to have a joke that the lyrics sounded like he was just eavesdropping on eighth grade girls reading their diaries to each other. hilarious. What? Can I take you higher? That's great. <laughs> uh anyway, so let's 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 do a little on subject. There's been All a right. lot of bullshit, which is fine. Bullshit. Bullshit. Bullshit with Mike Eagle. Yeah. You know what? That that could be it right there. Yeah. Uh, we I'll, wanted to I'll talk come, about race a little. Bit. I'll come back once every three months and we can do bullshit there with you Mike go. Eagle, man. Let's bullshit number one. All right. I'll call it bullshit number one and I'll put race in parentheses. <laughs> since we're gonna talk about it right now for ten minutes. <laughs> We can say everything we need to say about race right now. 
See, your haircut, right. your haircut is very, uh, it's very, it's very uh, de la. It is. It's a little bit of that. I just don't, I never know what the hell I'm going to do with myself. That's plural. Peace, love, unity. Exactly. I wanted to, I was thinking about doing the actual, like, uh, high-low thing with it, too, man. With, like, that? One part would be. I'm sorry, I was thinking of the KRS lyric. Peace, would be, love, unity. Having fun. He's off to something, something, KRS. What? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm too dumb. Chris. Uh, anyway, so race. Talk about it. Oh, we'll talk uh, about it as long as we want to talk about it. So there's niggers and there's uh there's white folk and uh see yeah. and everything in between. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's awful. That's it awful. Is. It that's is awful, crazy. It is, but um, I just feel like um, get it. You should talk more about that uh that that dialogue that you feel like is happening in film and television between races that we kind of don't realize we're having. Well, it's just like we're always I'm always being taught through television and movies what it is we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we as talk, Americans. Yeah. OK. We talk a lot about I think it's this and I think I'm this. But when it's not until I see the reflection back that I understand what's on the lips and minds of people, mm-hmm. which is like, OK, well, that is so present in people's minds that now there's a movie about it or it's in every fucking movie. So it's like. I mean, we're we're in this, I almost want to say, post-political correct era where we're so used to political correctness that everyone just is assuming it's like racism is over. That's the, that's the new racism that starts with the assumption of racism is over. Hmm. Everyone being like, it's a post-racial America. Obama's See, the president. Everything's fine, right? And they're like, no, no. There have been systematic uh, you know what? You know, honestly, institutional errors. I think the, the even the motivation for that is that the majority culture just doesn't want to think about that shit anymore. They don't want, you know, they just they want the freedom to be able to do and say whatever the fuck they want. They don't want to have to be worried about whether or not things are offensive. So, you know, they come with that post-racial shit to try to excuse any and every terrible thing that somebody says or thinks. Well, that's what I mean, I guess, with post-political correctness is that we held ourselves so tight about not saying this and not doing that that now people are coming around to, even if it's only for irony's sake, uh, irony, not irony, the person I know. Irone, hmm. uh, that's that guy's name. But there is, there's people talking about this stuff. People are, people are voicing it, mm-hmm. are voicing racial opinions and racial concerns even if it's not their own race that they should be concerned about or voicing opinions about. People are doing it with the, like, well, I'm not racist, but. <laughs> and so there's actually an unwitting dialogue about race happening all the time now. People are talking about race, I think, more than ever. Not more than ever, but, like, more than it has been in a long time because we're so, we've been so sitting on all these feelings and concerns and everybody wants to go like, oh, there's a black president. Now I can say shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. But people are talking about it. It's on people's minds. Yeah. I don't know. I fucking drive through the country so much. Shit, man. You know, you go in fucking bathroom stalls in Wyoming, fucking Texas. Well, Obama is the... Opposite end of the spectrum from George W. Bush. Absolutely. Bush woke up a big, fat, racist monster that was sitting in this country that people have forgotten about. He's 
there was so much stoking the fires of fear and blame that once Obama came in, of course, he was the representation for all the people that loved Bush. He was the opposite of that. And they're like, what the fuck? No. We're losing the country. Yeah. And they really feel that way. Well, mm-hmm. because they are. <laughs> That's true. The racial makeup of this country is changing. There are going to be less white people than anybody else. They are they are slowly becoming not the majority. I don't know when that's really going to happen. Though. It's going to happen. It's happening. I don't know. Like, Dude, you know how I know it's happening? Because I'm seeing a lot of black women with white boyfriends. That's how I know it's I've happening. I've seen that shit for years. Uh, it's only, I've, I've seen it for years, but like as a common thing now. I don't know. Or just like, oh, black women are okay with, uh, to be with white men now. That was for a long time. No. I live in Culver City, and I swear that's the interracial dating capital of the world. Probably. But yeah, a lot of black women, white dudes. I mean, Target shopping together. And that's what it is. I used to, I walk around with a white girlfriend and I used to get stares. And now I don't as much. But now I'm seeing black women, the black women that were staring at me, death stares with white boyfriends. It's kind of like, oh shit, (laughs) what's happening here? Now I want a black girlfriend. (laughs) All All these white men taking out black women. Grass is always blacker. (laughs) <laughs> oh mike i'm sorry yeah you are no uh anyway i don't know what the fuck we're gonna talk about i don't know man oh, you should have smoked up before we talked no then, been then uh then I, I i wouldn't have left i'd fucking stuck on your couch <laughs> the rest of the afternoon i can't drive bad enough that's my impersonation i i can't <laughs> you, know how you, you know how you sound. You know how I get British when I when I smoke. You know you always asking people for grape Poupon and shit. <laughs> Pardon me. Did you happen to have any grape Poupon? But I'm cool. What? What are like white people like? Okay, black people are ten percent of the country. Isn't that accurate? I don't know. Last I heard is ten percent. We're not the majority of the minorities. Right, but I'm just thinking, like, even, you know, so I'm, I'm assuming Latino would be the the one to challenge for the majority. But there, I mean, I mean, is it really going to be that many more Latinos? Yeah. That it's going to overtake white people? Look, that's, but yes, that's the thing. I mean, I keep hearing it, and I feel like worldwide, that makes a lot of sense. But in America, there's just too many white people. There's a lot of white people, but guess what? White people aren't all just dating and having babies with only white people. That's true, too. They're white people are dating everybody. That's true. And so every time a white person has a baby with a black person, an Asian person, a Latino person, then there's, yeah. That's not a white baby. That's a a new thing. Right. (laughs) That's a hybrid. That's that's a hybrid. That's that's the 2.0 version. So it's like there's not only a lot of black people you know, a growing number of black people, a growing number of Latinos, but white people aren't into white people as much anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the big thing. White people are like, ah, I can't stand us. I want to be with someone that is black, you know, or something. I can't even think of like, I- I'm trying to think of like white women that I know that I can't even think of. I'm not trying to think of one that is with a white person. I can look at, like, oh yeah, I'm thinking of two. Out of two, but it took me five seconds. I don't know. I mean, you do you, do you do a lot of um, small town stuff or like not as much as I used to. Look, 
When I was doing colleges, yeah, I was going to every fucking yeah, small town, rural, yeah, and I'm, ta- I'm everywhere, West Virginia, right? But oh my god, yeah, <sighs> I went to West Virginia, got picked up by a woman with a mullet. Wow, who straight straight woman who asked me two questions? What were they? Are you married? I'm 25 at the time, mm-hmm. and she was just like, "Yes, you should be married. You're 25." That's why she asked, are you married? I said, no, I'm not. Next question. The only other option. Are you gay? Yeah. It's like, what? That was it. No. I can't have a girlfriend? I had a girlfriend at the time. It's like, I have a girlfriend. But, like, first of all, that, those are both incredibly personal questions. <laughs> I, I don't know what it, I don't know why we think it's okay to ask people if they're single or, like, there's something about. Well, because people want to fuck you, typically. I know, but, and they, the, need but to, they need to understand if there's clearance. Like, you know what I mean? Is there hurdles to The majority fight? of times I'm asked about that, it's not by somebody who's interested in it. It's just like a good, like, it's, 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 it's up there with what do you do. Okay, just a conversation piece. Yeah, as a conversation piece. I see. You know, but those are, it's a, it's a surprisingly invasive question if you think about it. It kind of is, but people need to kind of know each other's. At least if they're avail- their availability status. I feel like that's something that people kind of need to know. Because typically when people are meeting people, like we said, there's that tension. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, most of that is about, you know, uh, the penis and vagina uh, intermingling, which people want to do a lot. And they need to understand what the, you know, what they're dealing with. Okay. You know? They need to understand what, you know. Well, this West Virginia place, though. Penis? Yeah. I was scared. Right. right? And I was, I was always concerned about doing a college in West Virginia. I was like, I don't want to go to West Virginia in Bush's America, right? Yeah. But then guess what? The college in itself totally blew up my expectations. Like super liberal? Kind it of was incre- incredibly liberal. Okay. Very integrated. I was surprised at my audience, these college kids, of all races and creeds and colors, enjoying themselves. Then... The guy who's like the student activities guy, fucking fascinating. I will never forget this guy because he ended up, I had like, I, because of the, the time it was, I ended up uh, having to fly out crazy early the next day. Uh-huh. But from Charleston, which is where the airport is, and I was a two hour drive away from there. So after the show, he drove me to the airport. I had a 6 a.m. flight. So I slept in the airport for five hours mm-hmm. waiting for that plane, right? He, this guy, was a lawyer in Texas. Dallas corporate lawyer and he was telling me like you know when there's a corporation that does something horrible they like do some sort of toxic waste dump and people die because of the radiation and the poison and then they get off and they don't have to do anything about it I'm the reason he's like I was that's what I my job was was to defend these companies that are literally destroying the planet this is how we put it and he's like, I got to the point where, of course, I, I loved it at first because I liked having money. Yes, you got to be. But then I would come home and look at myself in the mirror and be like, who the, what am I doing? These people are destroying this. Pl-. Like, that's what, that's what he was thinking. And it was also a guy that you would not think. How old is he? Oh, he was like in his 40s. Okay, wow. Yeah. He was also a guy that if you met, you would be like, this guy is not a liberal at all. He was like kind of a buttoned up white dude, you know, uh, and I was like, oh, interesting. He's like, and I was like, I can't sleep with myself. I can't sleep. I can't deal with myself. I couldn't even masturbate. I can't live with myself yep. that this is what I am doing for a living. Of all the things that I could be doing in this planet, I am helping companies destroy shit. Like, then his wife 
was offered a teaching position at this college in, in quote unquote nowhere, West Virginia. And he was like, let's fucking let's go. go. Right. I and he and his, and his job was what? He was like running the student activities right. board. He was, I don't think he was teaching any classes or anything. It was just administration. Yeah, his yeah. wife is a lawyer too, so she was teaching law stuff. It has a good law program. He's like, maybe I'll decide I want to teach a little law here or something. But he's like, I like having a life in a play, and I, and I know I can wake up and I'm not helping people just fuck shit up. That I am fostering young minds. That I am telling them the story I'm telling you. Hopefully to inspire them to do shit that has not that isn't the same. He's like that's more valuable than oh I'm helping this company that dumped all this shit in a in a river in Brazil. Get off. That's where he was. So I'm like fucking fascinating. But again, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, you know, there the are those pockets is, yeah, of camp, liberalism. The campuses are usually typically pretty good. Yeah, college campuses are usually pretty liberal. But you know, just just driving through and see. That's the thing is, like, a lot of times I'm performing in a place where, you know, okay, uh, if we're lucky, there's a college town there. If we live a college there. If we're not lucky, we're just performing at the bar where they let, you know, where there's some kid who's been trying to put together a hip hop scene, and um, I don't know, the energy is just bad, man. People, you know, it's just one of those things that makes you super conscious of race because you can tell you're entering a place where people are used to seeing only a certain kind of person, mm-hmm. you know, and we coming in not only just being black, but also looking like we're some kind of alternative lifestyle people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, you know, you, you, it, the, the reactions range from like overcompensatingly nice to like, you know, straight up ignorant kind of mess. You know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's what I mean, I guess. The I am seeing the certain images of black people starting to die. Mm. Um, I've been trying to work for a long time on going to other countries. That's where you start to see what it is that we're putting out. Yeah, because their perceptions of everything I must be because I'm a black American. I'm like, where did you get this information? Oh, from American movies and television. I went to uh, I went to Africa last year, man, and I was like horrified at like. I was, you know, I was there on like this kind of rap exchange thing we were doing, and um, the kind of stuff that the Ugandan rappers were doing for the Africans was sickening. You could tell, like, they 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 downloaded us as a culture based on the worst of what we put out through music media, mm. and for so for me to be in Uganda and be at a show and then see some guys on stage were like. Only English words they're saying are like nigga and bitch. I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? This is this is the worst. Like this is the worst. This is this is the results of all of the most terrible things, you know, that you know, nobody is here in Africa explaining like what why that word is horrible. And that's the only word they're using, you know. Mm. And that's true, but that's true in places where there are no black people. Japanese teenagers calling each other nigga. Yeah, in the but you know, of Tokyo. I, I guess I guess it was just more deplorable to me because I felt like, damn, somebody, somebody, I would I would have thought somebody would have been culturally conscious enough to be like, okay, we're the origin of them even being there, and part of them even having that word is based on what happened to you know what I mean. Just and and just to not have anybody kind of kind of you know having that kind of circular 
Well, but that's that we're not listening to our fucking elders. Mm. You know what I mean? Where we write them off. So it's just like there is a gigantic disconnect, I feel, between the younger generation and the older generation. You know what happened to us though in America? What's that? Crack, man. Oh yeah. That shit ruined everything. We were on the up fucking swing yeah, in a new Jack City. Yep. And that's like our parents' generation. And that's the entire generation gap. Like you had the kind of the boomers and then the you know, the sons and daughters of them, like our parents pretty much um, generation X. Dude, that was that was horrible for us. Well, and then there's been such there's been such apathy. Blapathy. Blapathy. Black apathy. Or really, and black apathy is a fucking monster, man. Mm-hmm. That is a hard thing to deal with. I don't give a fuck. Like, I just saw this thing the other day, the Black Power mixtape. I didn't, you know, I started that a couple times. I haven't, I haven't watched it all the way through. It's yet. fascinating. Well, it goes through each decade. Yeah. You know, it goes from the, well, it goes Does from it? 60s, 70s. Okay. Uh, not every day. Not every decade. I think it just changes from years. I think it's like 1960, maybe it's 1968 to 1973. Okay. Or something. But it's interesting how it starts in black and white. It's Stokely Carmichael. And then it goes through, like, the Black Panthers. And it kind of ends in color with Louis Farrakhan. Interesting. And New York already starting to be ravaged from crack. Mm -hmm. And all that shit. So it's like you saw this black unity and togetherness and community. And suddenly just started to crumble from crack. Mm-hmm. It's like there was no, there was a disconnect that yeah. suddenly just came out of nowhere. And that's where it, 70s, I mean, because, you know, people tell me a lot of times, like, you know, older guys who kind of lived through that is that uh, when they were young, the way the drug environment was, is that you could try stuff and dabble in it. And then you can just kind of go on with your business. If it was something you weren't into, you could just kind of like, but when they came with crack and like you know heroin, like so if you couldn't try that shit, you could try it and it would just turn you into a fucking zombie, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so, you know, people were already used to being able to try shit, so a lot of people tried it, and a lot of people got fucked up, you know. And then the money that came with it, and then people put pushing it and pushing it to young people, and you know, it was just really fucking ruining lives. Ended up ruining a whole generation, entire generation, and we're and we're barely. If at all, recuperating. I don't from know that. if it's possible to even get to back to where we were. I don't think. I really don't think. I just, uh, I think we're we're in an upswing though. I think we're in a, another upswing because it's like with the '90s, with gang violence just kind of dropping the fuck off. Yeah, and people being less interested in Bloods and Crips, and then like from the mid '90s, there's kind of been a new sensibility. You know, mid '90s exactly when. Uh, Cornell Roast. Cornell Roast. Mm-hmm. Cornell Roast. That's my frat brother. Cornell West wrote wrote Race Matters. It's like there was this new black consciousness starting to happen. You know what I mean? Because I feel like you see it in hip hop as well. Like you see it like what? You see, but you had Public Enemy, you had De La, you had Native Tongues, Tribe, and suddenly pff, all, everything was about NWA. Right. All this consciousness. Harris one dropped off. Then it was like gangsta, 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 gangsta. And it sort of weirdly corresponded to when I feel like gang violence dropped off. Hmm. Gangsta rap took the place of gangsterism. Hmm. In a way. 
Yeah, I just, uh, I, I guess the, the cynical part of me doesn't see, um, I just think with the way everything is splintered right now, media-wise, it's really difficult for us to kind of get back to a unified kind of positive anything in terms of um, messaging. You know what I mean? I feel like things are getting more and more individualized, and that kind of keeps people in a, in more of that kind of survival state where they're not caring about things as a community or things that they relate to groups. It's just like more on that kind of capitalistic get mine. You know what I mean? And, True, and I, and but I, I feel like we're coming out of that. I still feel like we're coming I out of that. No, I, I feel like I don't. I don't see enough. I don't see enough young people feeling like they belong or part or part of something. I don't. That well, you know, young people. I feel like our generation. I feel like we're the new traditionalists. I've been using that term okay. in that we we've been disconnected from community, family, shit like that. That we're headed back towards it. We're going like, wait a minute, why is all that stuff so stupid again? Maybe I do want to learn how to fucking cook. Mm. Maybe I do want to get married. Maybe I do uh, want to take part in my community, join a public garden, want to stump for a candidate that has positions, I believe. I think that we're starting to move back towards that. Now, of course, sometimes I talk to my little sisters, and I'm like, shit, we're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) They care about Chris Brown and Drake. And that's kind of it. But you grow up, and then you start to kind of take that stuff back. You know, so I guess maybe I feel hopeful of people of our generation having been through that, waking up and being like, okay, we need to get back to that. I don't know. I just feel like, oh, man. Uh, the position you're speaking from kind of sounds like a thoughtful one, though, like like for people who are, who are – um, I guess it would even come from that conscious place of having an understanding of like, you know, uh, family values and having made the choice even from the beginning to be like they were going to be at a at a kind of individual place, and uh, like there's so few of us, you know what I mean? Black, uh, middle aged, uh, people who are who are who rode those kind of thought waves to begin with, you know, to even get outside of of the kind of uh, mass cultural experience, mm-hmm. you know. Um, just don't, I don't feel like there was a lot of us, you know. Well, I am speaking to my own experience. I am being, I am being a little hopeful in yeah, some see, way. I'm a cynic, dude. And I'm, I didn't realize that I'm, I was hopeful until I started saying this shit, by the way. Because <laughs> I, I tend to be cynical as fuck, too. Yeah, I used to be a super idealist, though. I used to be really all about that. I used to be so, like, you know, in college, that was, like, my main thing was always trying to like all of the trying to head up all the campus issues that mostly boiled down to like black people, you know, um, living and going about business as if they were part of a community. And because our whole thing, even then, like we always go back to um, we don't even say hi to each other on the yard. Like that was always like the crux of everything was people felt like that was going away. And I used to feel like, yeah, you know, we should really be pushing back towards that. But I find myself more and more just not even feeling like that's going to happen. I just don't, I don't feel like, and I don't feel like, I've been feeling like I shouldn't waste my energy trying to make it happen. I feel like, mm. I feel like the, the angst and all of the shit that I get out of that, I should try to put it in my work, and speak about it and kind of like. Um, well, that is active. Right. But because yeah, but people it, are coming to your work because you speak to that. That's what I enjoy about that. Right. But, about yeah. your work, I mean to say. But that's, you know, like, it, it, it's just, 
in terms of my uh journey with those with those feelings it's definitely more of a cynical place like i'm just less hopeful i'm way less hopeful that there's going to be positive outcomes to a lot of the shit that i've paid attention to and cared about you know mm. most of my natural black life life yep <laughs> life my blapathy is 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 on the rise well i mean i can't say it's apathy it's just it, it really is cynicism it really is like it, it's like uh um, cynicism is based on love yes because you're a sensitive motherfucker yes and you've been hurt by the world and you go, you know what? Fuck the world then. Yeah. World's going to fuck me. Now I know that's what the world does. You know who I identify with? Uh, fucking Bill Maher. Okay. Because he's just the angry person, but it's because he really has gotten to the point where he feels like fucking humans just, just fuck up over and over again. Like, and I can, I, I feel that. I feel that. Like, I feel like John Stewart kind of still, you know, kind of still a little happy. <laughs> Bill Maher is just like, fuck. Like, he's like, Bill Maher is like, He's shitting on his own audience, even in the studio all the time. Like, because you can tell he's just really, he's That's done. True. You know what I mean? That's he's true, yeah. Done with. He goes, really? <laughs> I, thought the, I thought you guys were liberals. Right. <laughs> I really, I really identify with, with, with that. Well, but that's the thing. This is the thing. I mean, that's why I say the new traditionalist. I am more interested. I am trying to connect shit now. Mm-hmm. I, like yourself, see how disconnected shit is, right? Yeah. It's up to me to connect it and to ins- hopefully inspire that in others. Mm. To put that shit, put it, to put it back together. Now, when I say new traditionalists, it's like because there's so many people being like, oh, we're, lo- we're losing our country. We have to have these traditional values. These things have to be in place for our country to work. Mm. I agree to an extent. I'm just saying the things that they think are going to make this country work aren't the things that make this country work. They're, they're fantasizing and romanticizing an era that is dead. Right. 50s. The yeah. fucking yeah. 50s. Yeah. Technically the most oppressive <laughs> time in American history. Who couldn't button up, man? Just like everyone had to be the fucking same. And everyone's going like, oh, yeah, when everyone was the same, everything was in place. It's like, yeah, because we were fucking oppressed, you know, and repressed and depressed. How do you feel about this media piece, though? Because when I think about even, you know, now I'm thinking about, okay, the 50s, everybody was the same, but, um, and that was fucking terrible. Well, look, though, look, this this goes back to the connecting thing. I I read this article that I love. It was one of those cracked articles. It was like 10 ways the 21st century is making you miserable. I, I, I can't go to crack. Why that? Because I'll stay on crack all day, <laughs> going from article to article. I'll have like ten tabs open in Google. Well, but Chrome, you know what? Like, a lot of them are for every like twelve that are like, what the fuck? Is, why no, did somebody no. write this? There's one. No, see, I think that's they're great. Awesome. I think they're all like not all of them, but like I can I can literally I can get caught in a crack rabbit hole for like days. Well, I'll tell you this one. It okay. was like I think it was ten ways that the 21st century is making you miserable. Holy shit! See, like that. see, I'm there. I'm already <laughs> there, dude. Well, I stumbled upon it, and I'm like, that is fucking amazing and true. And I agree with this article, and I see what it says. Now, one of the things was we no longer. I'm gonna amalgamate. I'm gonna put them together because they all kind of connect. Mm-hmm. Because of the internet age, we specifically seek out the groups of people that agree with everything we think exactly we no longer entertain the ideas 
or even the friendships or the proximity of anyone that thinks anything different than us. You know, and because of that, we've lost the skill set of talking to people. That's interesting. The skill set of I disagree with you and I'm going to make a like we it, we take everything so fucking personally. You know, it's always mean? this identity shit. It's like you disagree with me. That means that I hate you now. <laughs> you know, like, I'll tell you something that's funny for me. And when I think about that statement is that. I don't know why this is. This might be a race thing. It might be a fucking geographic thing. It might be a fucking socioeconomic status thing. I feel like it's been very rare in life. Very rare where I've been able to find people who agree with me about shit. Like really. Oh, me and this person feel almost the same way about a bunch of shit. Very fucking rare. So, like, even today with the internet age, I'm like thinking about all the places I go on the internet. I don't think any of these people agree with me all the way because I don't think that's that it really you know exists. What? Okay, let me let me rephrase. Not agree, like they like the same shit that we like. I don't know, man. We're less likely to disagree with them because we like all the same shit. I'm just talking about like forums. No, no, no. Yeah, and and, and, like I, that. and I, I think for most people, I bet that's true. But I'm thinking in my experience. I wish I could be so lucky to have a forum where people like it's really o- agreed with me. It's like, overrated, though. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I'd like to rate it myself. Well, I think. Okay, maybe. <laughs> I would like to have I'm just saying chance. it's like you can't have everyone agree with you all the damn time. Oh, of course. You don't learn anything. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. It's like, and because of that, because it's like we seek out the people that are least likely to disagree with us, okay. that like all the things that we like, you know, so that makes us strongly identify with a group. You go to a lot of forums? No. I don't. You go to any? Uh, there's there's one I'm about to start partake, partaking in a lot. Where more. is that? It's on like a website. No, where? What's the website? Yeah, I'll tell you off the uh... <laughs> unicornporn.com. Uniporn. Uni- <laughs> the Unibomber. That's what, yes. that's what my name is. That's what my username is on it. Tight. The Unibomber. Well, because I guess that I I used to lurk on a couple of forums that they were always like comedy. Okay. Based like people talk. There was a website in boston that i used to go to a lot and then there was this one in la and that was more to teach myself of who was doing what in of those course. cities oh like, yes who absolutely. people were talking about that of people course. were aware of i'm like okay i've heard of that this comic. is researching and standing yeah, and so when like i would just, meet yeah. that person i'm like oh yeah i've heard of you which mm-hmm. they were always like how is that possible i'm like oh, there's a site that i go to that like oh yeah yeah i know that site uh anyway point is though because of that we don't know how to disagree with people anymore it's like we just go oh I don't like you then. You don't you don't agree with what I just said. Therefore, this conversation is over. We've lost the skill to debate. We've lost the skill to handle handle being around people who don't agree with everything we have to say. So just like, yeah, that's what debate I got into a, a argue I got into a debate about what an argument was. Oh, wow. I was talking to this girl and we were talking about a movie. Is she lesbian? No, she's straight. Okay. They were talking about a movie that I liked. And she didn't. And I was trying to make my case for why I liked it. And she was like, well, I don't want to argue about this. I'm like, it's not an argue. It's a debate. If I just said, I like it. And you're going, I don't. And I went, I do. And you went, I don't. And that's it. That's, that's an argument. Right. There's no ideas exchanged. But I'm trying to tell you why I like it. Because I think that these are the things that make that movie work. And I'm interested in hearing what you have to say about why you think it doesn't work. Because you know what? You might change my mind. Yeah. I'm and I'm open to that. I want that. I want you to be like, well, here's where you're wrong. 
You know, but you're right. A lot of people aren't willing to engage on that level. Um, but I think the reason that is, for the most part, people don't. A lot of people don't think about why they like something necessarily. Yes, exactly. You know, they, they just know that they do and they know that they don't. Right. And so they don't really, you know. And I, I find, you know. And while that's valid, it cannot be the end of the conversation. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because sometimes I'll, I'll go see movies with people and I'll, you know, and I'll be feeling myself processing what I like or don't like about it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll be hesitant to start the conversation because sometimes that can ruin shit for people, too. Like, yes. if you, if you, can, you can tell them this, this whole other way of looking at it and then that can either fuck up their enjoyment about, you know, whatever it was. Or, right. You know, so that's that's. It's true because they because they just want it, but that's how you know you've you got to find the people. But again, they've lost the skill set to be able to talk about this shit. We're, we're so it, we're so know? obsessed with I like it and I don't like it, and everything's a matter of an opi- of opinion. Everything is not. I remember one time I was walking around my uh, college bookstore, the BU bookstore, and I saw this book, The Simpsons and Philosophy. Oh wow! All these different philosophy professors around the country had written these essays. Taking a character or a theme from The Simpsons and tying it around to some philosophical point. And the one that I liked, or I remember I was thumbing through it and I read a lot of this one. It was called um, Lisa Simpson and Our Relationship to Know-It-Alls. And it was basically making the case that we resent know-it-alls. Of course. Of course we do. We resent people and we feel we shrink from them. We feel stupid next to them and we want to undercut them and say, it's just a matter of an opinion. That's just your opinion. It's like everything can't be a matter of opinion. If everything was, there'd be no such thing as expertise. Mm. Some people know more about that shit than you do. That's why they studied it. That's why they read up on it. And you can't be like, well, I think it's this. And they'll be like, well, actually, it's this. And they're like, well, that's just your opinion. But then, no, it's based up. I, I but, read this facts but then, and but, research. But I guess most of the things we end up engaging on that level on are like, it's like art, it's like movies or music or TV. So it's really difficult to even, you know, even if you do study, I mean, it's hard to speak in terms of those things in absolutes. No, it's know. not. Okay. Oh, interesting. Educate me. You, you, it's not, yes, you're right. But you can only speak from your experience and to your pre- preference. So you constantly have to admit your own biases. Oh, of course. You have to say of like, course. look, I'm biased. And I think, it's important to not only entertain the bias, but to uncover the bias while proving your point. That's why music journalism makes me sick, honestly. It's because they never entertain their biases. And they're all so clear. They're all so clear what the biases are in just about any case. But they never admit that they're, you know, that, that there's some things that they value more than, than others. Yeah, and that informs their critique of whatever this, this piece of music is. Look, if you believe that Rap is supposed to contain a catchy hook mm-hmm. and has to always deal with these themes. Anything that doesn't fit into that paradigm, you're going to find you can't have one right. size fits all. It and, doesn't exist. And, and, and the problem with that is, is not only do they not admit the bias, they try to write from a space where it looks like they're trying to speak for everybody. Of course, of course. It makes me fucking feel gross inside so in a way you have to the absolute is that this is absolutely from me absolutely personal it's absolutely personal but you so you can't apply it to humanity right and they so try to it's a they it's especially and it happens in rap because that's their job is to be definitive in a definitive opinion 
And it's even worse in rap sometimes because the um the journalist is usually a white male and you know the subject is usually a black male. Right, right. And so there's a lot in there about the guy writing having to really try to overcompensate for like his disconnect from where the world or wherever that comes from. And it's just a, there's so much of that that's buried in the opinion but never gets talked about. Mm. You know, it never really gets brought into the, the subject matter, even though it's clearly, clearly affecting what they think about whatever this product is. Yes, and I know that for myself as well. Mm-hmm. Is that like, look, the way that I criticize something is, do I think this person achieved the goal that they set I out. think they set out to achieve? Not the goal I think they should right. have, but the goal I am going to infer from what they've created what i believe is their goal and what i believe is their point they can because because it's there people are going for shit and i can hear it and i can feel it and like oh this is what they're going for and then i can from my own opinion and be like okay i think that they've achieved it this much Mm -hmm. some people more than others some people less than others some people take those detours where they're trying to to find it out and i respect that i'm like i see that this person is experimenting and trying to do something out of their comfort zone so that way they can find what their comfort zone is. So I see the value of that. I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I didn't sit through it. <laughs> but I like that it exists. In the, you know, I like the concept of it. So it's like, in a way, you have to present, but you have to be open to be someone being like, well, I disagree with that, and here's why. Right. Right, but it's just, you know, that's just... Not just I disagree with it. Yeah, the, and here's why is very important. And, but where you're, where, you're, where you're speaking from or that, that level of conversation is, you know, that, that's so, that type of shit is so helpful for everything. And it really should take place. But it's just, man, it's just, have so far to go before people... But then also you've got to read. That's the other thing. That's true. People want to put forward their opinions just because they're their opinions. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, fucking do some fucking research first. Read something that backs up what you're saying. Because I guarantee you, most of the times what you think you know is to true, you'll read something about that subject and you'll be like, shit, I'm wrong. <laughs> I love knowing that I'm wrong. Reading a book and being like, ha-ha, it's actually this opposite thing. And then I try to read between. you got to read between the lines and read more books on that read, subject. Read people by opposite, people who have an opposite viewpoint on the same subject. And but we're that. so, we're so we, we like to brand shit and to decide this is all this thing. You know, we brand it, and there's certain people that become the brands that become the things that we compare it to. Okay, all rap is supposed to feel like this. Yeah. Here is the standard. Now I have to compare everything to that standard. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Who said that was the standard? That person sold the most albums? That becomes the standard? A lot of people's. And for, I mean, that's just, we're just now starting to get free of that a little bit. But yeah, for a long time, that was it. But that's the thing. You have to you have to you have to fill it with other shit. That's what I'm saying is that we have to connect with shit. You know what I mean? We create, we expand people's ideas of what rap, comedy, writing, blackness can be. Right. Then they're not gonna be locked in to this myopic lens. It just takes so long for that to take place, but you're right. You're right. That, it does take is, a long time. Yeah, you know, because we just, you know, just by being out there doing what we do, you know, uh, it causes people, it, it's it's more difficult for them, for them to hold on to the stereotype of what they think it is when they see somebody out there doing something that doesn't fit into it. Just, you know, 
then it just becomes about level of exposure. You know, it's just a lot of factors in between, you know, us being out there doing it on the ground level and then this overall conversation about archetypes and stereotypes and all that. It just takes a long time to undo a lot of that madness. It does. But you got to do it. Yeah. We go, and we're going to fight against it. If anything, is so the, so the African rappers can stop saying nigger. <laughs> That'll be my career goal from now on. Is to inspire Ugandans. Inspire, inspire them to find uh, more appropriate pronouns. <laughs> and I think that's a good, uh, that's a good note to end on. All right. Well, thanks for having me again, man. It's great. Nah, I know that you hate it. I did. I hate it a lot. It gave me gas. I'm just happy that I actually got this up on Sunday night at the fucking time it's supposed to go up. So, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I honestly haven't listened to it in a long time, so I have no idea what the fuck we said. I hope it was enjoyable. I'm pretty sure you guys will tell me if it was or if it wasn't. Uh, and to Mr. Hamilton, I will reply to an email at some point. <laughs> You've sent a few, and uh, I've been doing a lot of traveling, and uh, you know you, you have presented many thoughts. So I'm just like, oh, I got to say something back more than just like, thanks and hi. And uh, thank you for the donation as well. I guess you guys can donate to me. I'll set that up. I got a PayPal donation from Mr. Hamilton, Wantanabe-san. So, and thank you for that. But uh, other people, if you want to donate, I guess you can. I'll, I'll, it's on PayPal. I'm on pay. I don't know. I'll figure that shit out. Anyway, love you.